to this. You know what? And in the ring with Dan and Benny, hey, brother, man, he's about the most cat. I just love him to death. I love you. Thanks for having me. Hey, you're the best. I'm telling you, brother, in the ring with Dan and Benny. Yeah. We love you. Thank Woo, you so much, Dan. Oh, yeah. Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Spashano, joined, as always, by the BS Express himself, Benny Scala. Benny, how you doing, buddy? Dan, I'm doing great, and I'm doing much better because I found out that we actually charted at number 94 in wrestling podcasts in the in the country of France. Now, I took eight years of French in between elementary school and high school, and other than this one incident in 1988 in Canada involving strippers, I've never had a, I've never spoken French. I've never used it. So I'm, I'm going to try this time to thank everybody. And here I go. A nos amis de France, nous tenons à vous remercier du fond de cour pour votre soutien. Notre espoir est que vous continuez à écouter et apprécier Dan and Benny in the ring. And that doesn't mean all hookers form to the left. It uh, actually says, to our friends in France, we would like to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your support. Our hope is that you continue to listen to and enjoy Dan and Benny in the Ring. But thank you very much, people of France. Yes, and you know, it's funny you mention that because it, when it was brought to your attention, we were at ni- uh, in the 90s, we peaked at 30. Uh, just looking through some numbers, we've also charted recently in the UK Australia, Canada, and we ha- don't forget our loyal listener. I mean, uh, uh, I want to say listening audience, but our loyal listener in El Salvador, too. So That's right. But, you know, it's funny, Benny. Other than wrestling, something I, I, I we always talk about a lot, you know, you mentioned baseball. I'm, I was a huge cinephile. I love watching movies, and I loved, uh, obviously, uh, other than everything that was coming out when I was growing up, was the watching Siskel and Ebert. They had their their show Siskel and Ebert in the movies. And well, tonight it's going to be Dan and Benny in the movies. We're going to talk about wrestling movies, but we're not alone. We have a third voice with us tonight to talk wrestling movies. Benny, why don't you tell us who we got on the line? Yeah, so this is going to be a little bit different. Instead of a normal interview, we're going to actually have a roundtable and we're going to discuss wrestlers who were in movies and then movies about wrestling that actually star wrestlers. And, you know, we thought about, well, we need somebody who's both a movie and a wrestling aficionado. And we had to look no further than Buddy Satello Esquire, Mr. Satello. Welcome back to Dan and Benny in the Ring. Benny, Benny, Benny and the Dan. <laughs> Dan. Hey, good to good to talk to you guys again. And you know, I always look at this as like when Scooby Doo would have Don Knotts on as one of their, you know, special guest guest hosts, or like you know. When when uh, Batman and Robin would you know uh, uh, have like uh, the Green Arrow show up or something like that, just like for a cameo. You know, I was I, I I thought you I thought you were going for uh, Batman and Robin climbing the building past uh, Sammy Davis Jr. or or when the Harlem Globetrotters would show up on Gilligan's Island. Yes, that's more like it. Is the Harlem the or, or the the Super Globetrotters if you remember <laughs> right that com- that cartoon? Did they bring the Washington Generals or no? 
No, no, okay. no. The Super Globetrotters were, they, they had three of the Globetrotters all with the superpowers. But remember, the Washington Generals, like, they were the enhancement talent. They, their, their whole job in life was to put the Globetrotters over. Like the, uh, like, five Mulkey brothers all, yeah. all, all lined up. The Mulkey brothers, George South, Salvatore Belomo, and um, R.J. Reynolds. All the Italian, and from, the Italian stallion. Yes, yes. So, yeah, no, it's it's great to, first of all, Dan, I'm glad that you're back uh, in the saddle. Last time I was supposed to be on the show was a couple months ago, and you were not feeling so well, so I'm glad that you, you at least sound better. You yeah, know, I well, don't know. I, I was, uh, I had injured myself, a freak. Uh, actually, I was a, a, what they, what the doc called a, a zipper tear of my oblique. That was unpleasant. Ooh. Ow, that does sound pretty bad. And you, you didn't even like do it diving off the top, doing a frog splash off the top rope on anybody, or 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 now, you, know, you know, getting it's it's uh, uh next time you see a masked wrestler getting thrown through a pile of light bulbs in front of four people, that's probably me. Yeah, well, at least uh, I'm glad you're on the road to recovery. Oh yeah, yeah, we hit the we hit the ground running, and uh, we've been good, and I appreciate it. Okay, so so um, God, there's so many. You know, I, one thing for me is that uh, I've been. Uh, my son doesn't really want to watch anything with me. I'm too boring, you know, for for his sake. But my daughter is fascinated when I tell her like these are movies that she has to see, you know, so that she understands the cultural frame of reference that there is. She eats it up. She, she I mean, I can show my daughter. She's both. My kids are twins. They're 11. But my daughter has seen everything that I've put her in front of. Now, she doesn't stay for all of it, but most of the stuff she sits through and she, she gets a lot of it. So that's sort of like one of the things that I'm trying to do for tonight is to say if there are some movies that I need to definitely get her to, to, to see. And, I, you know, I guess should we start off with something more humorous or something more serious? as far as movies about wrestlers, because they kind of go both ways. I mean, you know, uh, uh, they, there's there's great movies that are serious. And most of them are jokes, like a, a No Holds Barred or a, or a, you know, Body Slam the Movie or something like that. But some of them are like The Wrestler or The Peanut Butter Falcon, which are just absolute two of my just all-time favorite, favorite movies. You know, just well, if you, you just take them apart and look at them, they're, they're just really, really entertaining films. That The wrestling is almost secondary to what the message is of the whole film. Well, uh, that's entirely up to you, buddy. You're the, uh, you're the guest with us, whichever, however you want to start, and then we'll go from there. Well, the first one I've got to say, obviously, I'll go with The Wrestler. You know, let's start off like where where we probably should start off. Since my my pal is Evan Ginsberg, and he was the executive producer on it, but I saw the wrestler before I really knew. I knew Evan before that because I'd been on his radio show interviewed, but a long time ago. But I really didn't know that he was in charge of producing the uh, the wrestler when I went to see it, and that to me is the Rocky. Of, of wrestling movies. That, to me, is the Rocky one of wrestling movies. It's a, a movie that, that I'm not, my daughter hasn't seen yet, but I want her to see, and I want her to understand that that's really not just what, what wrestling is about, but it's what showbiz 
is about and what fame does for people and to people. And I, it was one of those movies that when I left the theater, I just couldn't stop thinking about it for for days on end because I'd, I'd done my job as a, as a professional wrestling manager and, and done the indie circuit, and I could just see in every part of Mickey Rourke's character that um, I could just say, uh, it was like a checklist. I could just say, oh, I know a wrestler who slept on, on the floor of his van, you know, after a show because he didn't have enough gas money to get home. I know a wrestler who did that. I know a wrestler who's done that. I know a wrestler who's done that. And that, to me, was what was amazing about that movie is that it really, Mickey Rourke is the composite of maybe 150 different wrestlers' stories all packed into one guy. What would you guys think? Well, you know, uh, uh, I agree with you. That's a great flick. And uh, so in that one, we have Ernest Miller as the Ayatollah. And um, I actually thought about Marissa Tomei for days on end after I saw that movie. But <laughs> now there's another there is another movie called The Wrestler. That that wrestler was in the year 2010. But there was an earlier version with ni- in 1974 that starred. Uh, I'm going to read the list of wrestlers. Don uh, Vern Gagne, Don Morocco, Billy Robinson, Danny Hodge. Joe Scarpello, Dick the Bruiser, Dan Gable, The Crusher, Dusty Rhodes, and Wahoo. Now, I've never seen that one. Have any, either of you guys? Heard of it, uh, not seen it. Hard to find copies of it. Yeah, I was going to say, I've only seen uh, snippets of it in, like, documentaries and reviews of the film, but I actually haven't seen the whole thing. Because uh, that's uh, Ed Asner, too. Okay. And then, and in a, and an example of art reflecting real life, Vern Gagne puts himself over at the end of the movie. Go figure that, right? <laughs> Greg Gagne was too young for for to, for them to to play right. him over. He's no, only like I, seven or. I have one that's just really bad, and it because I, I wanted to start with my hero, Bruno San Martino, and Bruno San Martino was actually in a movie called Salunatics. In 2002, he played a character called Gianno Flat Donato. And uh, I have a note, this movie is about as rare as a hooker explaining the Pythagorean theorem. Oh, I've, I, 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 I've never seen it. I, I, I had never heard of it until somebody mentioned it on uh, Facebook. Very Bruno is also the, the ill-fated movie Body Slam. He has an a extended cameo where he starts a fight. For no apparently good reason, uh, in the front row of a Hall of Fame bunch of wrestlers that are all watching Roddy Piper um, under the managerial uh, uh, guise of Dirk Benedict, who you know, uh, for most people, w- w- yeah, there, there's the, the the big 18 people that people remember, like uh, like Mr. T and George Papard, and then there's the Dirk Benedicts of the world. Which you know didn't quite make the same impact, and 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 uh, uh, <coughs> Body Slam, which was one of the first movies I ever rented on VHS, was like um, uh, a, a really cut by the numbers, like A Team style of of storytelling um, about uh, uh, Roddy Piper and the Tonga Kid as they form a tag team that that merges up with a rock and roll band all under the tutelage of a uh, scummy agent in Dirk Benedict. And it's got Tanya Roberts in it, who is just the epitome of what you would call eye candy. She is in that movie just so that guys can look at her. She does 
absolutely nothing. She's the worst. I mean, she wasn't great in Beastmaster, but man, is she bad in Body Slam. Beastmaster. She wasn't good in Beastmaster. <laughs> See, sorry, that's another sorry, that's a movie guys. I haven't I haven't thought about in a long time. Now, what year? I, what year is Body Slam? What year did that come out? Eighty one, I think. Eighty? No, 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 no. Eighty six came out in eighty six. So Bruno would have been over fifty years old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and it's got uh, Freddie Blassie in the front row, and 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 uh, uh, you know, of of. of so you'll get to see, and Captain Lou Albano is in it, obviously, because what didn't he want to be in? And and so it, I mean, it's a great way to see some old wrestlers. It's got, uh, uh, I think, a barbarian in it, and, and <coughs> Tejo Khan, and, and so, you know, all these sort of like, you know, B-rated types, other than Roddy Piper, there's really nobody who can act their way out of a paper bag in that movie. Um, even Dirk Benedict is... is who really disappeared after the 80s. Whatever happened to him after the 80s. But I also wanted to warn you guys that I'm a huge fan of Mystery Science Theater 3000. So I have an incredible breadth of obscure and bizarre movies that I've seen over the years. So how many stars do you give uh, Body Slam? Oh, my God. One, and that's just because of Roddy Piper. He is the star. He is a star. The rest of it is an absolute zero, and they're lucky I couldn't give it a negative. And, of course, for the wrestler, I give it five. That's, that's one. I'd agree and with you on that, yeah. I mentioned earlier the Peanut Butter Falcon. Have you guys seen that movie? No, I haven't. Yes. You've not? Yeah, it has. Yeah. What was your thought of the Peanut Butter Falcon? Uh, honestly, that was one of those movies where – you're talking about the one that the, just came out a few years ago with Shia LaBeouf, right? Yeah, and uh, Jake the Snake Roberts is in it. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure we weren't talking like The Wrestler where you were talking about an older film. But yeah, that was one of those movies, especially given the cast, um, you know, Shia LaBeouf, Dakota Johnson, people like that who had come off either bad films or what's the, how to word this politely um, – social issues in their careers with Shia LaBeouf and his kind of being crazy. And, uh, you know, it was one of those movies that you just, I went in thinking like, this is not going to end well. And it had, it was so much better than it had any business being. Um, I mean, especially because when you're dealing with, uh, character that, you know, one of the spoilers, uh, trying not to give too much away, but one of the, the, the characters that has down syndrome, it's, oftentimes not played well and it kind of becomes a gimmick or an exploit. Um, and I think they did a really good job handling that. And then obviously, like you said, with the wrestling side of it, uh, that felt, I hate I'm trying to think of how to, how to describe it, but it felt real in that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in that, you know, like, uh, the, the, the scenes in the backyard, literally the backyard, you know, with, yep. with Jake Roberts and Mick Foley. And uh, yep. it, it, there's, I mean, I remember I brought it up on the show before there was a documentary came out, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe uh, called card subject to change about yeah. independent wrestling. And they, one of the things they focused on was Kevin Sullivan. And there were scenes of Kevin Sullivan and bigger named wrestlers at least people I, you know, that I would have thought had, 
you know, does I want deserved more, but showing up at, at literal mud shows, 25 people in somebody's backyard. So, you know, to think like, yeah, there are people that, that to them that's wrestling. And I think they handled it really well. And uh, I enjoyed it. I really did. Yeah, no, and I think it didn't take itself too seriously, but it was not maudlin or trying to pull at your heartstrings. It was, it, it really did a good job of being realistic enough that it, you didn't sit there and go, oh, my God, you know, feeling manipulated watching it. Oh, and while we're talking about documentaries, I do want to self-serve one other, one other movie, and that is Beyond the Mat, which uh, have you gentlemen seen? Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. I think that's essential viewing for wrestling fans. Well, you know, the APW is where I got my training at, right? Really? Yeah, really. Roland okay. Alexander was my boss for, you know, quote unquote, boss for, for a couple of years. And, and I, I, I worked extensively with all pro wrestling. I, that's where Buddy Sotelo got his very first match was with, uh, on the same card with the Honky Tonk Man. Nice. Where the Honky Tonk Man won the APW Championship, took the belt, and then never returned. He he still has the... If I ever get Wayne Ferris alone in a room, I'm going to ask him, what the hell ever happened to the Pacific Coast Championship belt? Because he still has it, to my knowledge. That's and... Funny. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, he, I've tried to ask him on one of those like uh, uh, AOL chat things, and 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 say, and like later on in one of those uh, live chat things that uh, the Honky Tonk Man has done to try to ask him where is the APW championship belt, and he never, he never responds back. But um, uh, 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 yeah, uh, all pro wrestling was quite an experience, and and it's documented very interestingly in uh, the uh, Beyond the Mat movie. So if the listeners are listening now, they want to see something that is as, you know, it, it covers wrestling on three different levels. You know, the, the, the all-pro wrestling side, the indie side, you know, the guys that are in mid-sized feds, and then, you know, all the way up to the WWE and, and all that stuff with Mick Foley and, 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 and so forth. So yeah. I think it's a, yeah, if you, anyone that, that wants to be involved in wrestling, if they see the wrestler and they see all, all beyond the mat and they still want to do it, then maybe they, they, they do have a career in pro wrestling. Yeah, there there's a couple. I mean, beyond the mat, if we're going to talk documentaries for a second, beyond the mat is one, like I said, card subject to change. Benny, I mean, how many times have we talked about uh, wrestling documentaries on the show and how some of them really capture the the in depth like you uh like buddy was saying the the dark side of it um you know i i think a great example there it's come up probably what would you say benny a dozen times at least on the show is is 350 days always that's the first one i think of when i yeah think of absolutely the documentary and it cover i mean you know like you said watch watch the documentaries about behind the scenes watch the documentaries about uh the after effects and watch the wrestler uh, unrelated side note, um, I do enjoy, I see the story pop up from time to time where uh, Hulk Hogan had mentioned wanting or go, he, that he was going to be in the wrestler and our, uh, Darren Arlovsky has said he's full of crap. They, that was never even a consideration. He doesn't know where Hogan no, but, got that idea. Hey, but Nicolas Cage was supposed to be the, the role of Mickey Rourke. Did you know that? 
I did, and I give the movie credit in that it really, I don't want to say saved, but it, it gave Mickey Rourke's career second life. I mean, uh, Expendables, Iron Man 2, he went on to do some big projects that he would not have done without the success that, that the wrestler brought him. That role found Mickey Rourke the way Mickey Rourke found that role. There's times like Al Pacino as Raging Bull, you know, where you just can't imagine another actor doing that role, or, or Sylvester Stallone, someone else being Rocky, you know, well, they'll essentially I, I, I might, that. I might be able to use my imagination and picture Robert De Niro as Raging Bull. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't know. That was just, there's some, there are some roles that just find, or, or, you know, someone else being Scarface, you know, I mean, Al Pacino perfectly nailed that. There's just some roles that find a, a guy, and a guy finds a role that so defines him. I think Mickey Rourke, you know, when all is said and done with his career, will be remembered for his work in The Wrestler more than anything else that he's ever done. Uh, you know, I, in, in my, I have a pretty vivid imagination. I can't see Nicolas Cage in that role. Well, that's what they said. He looked too good. He, he said he's he doesn't have he doesn't look beaten up enough. Right. And boy, if somebody epitomizes the look of being beaten up, and it's not his name is not Mickey Rourke. I'd like to. Well, maybe that kind of person is in too bad shape to act in a movie. Let's just put it that way. No, that, he was the perfect guy for that role. I mean, hands down. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And yes, I should have mentioned 350 Days also by Evan Ginsberg and, and also a tremendously made film. Did you guys see Wrestling With My Family? Yes, I have. Yes. I like that movie also. Even though it's not a documentary, it's based on a true story and obviously sanitized for the WWE's protection. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, it was you know also produced by The Rock, which I give... I give them credit. the The scene, for those that don't know, wrestling with my family, the the story of uh, Paige and her rise to the to the WWE. The scene in the movie where she's told you're going from NXT to the main roster and you're going to win, the, and uh, that whole conversation where you're going to be on the main stage now. It's The Rock that tells her that, and a lot of people kind of laughed. They're like, you know, I get it. Dwayne Johnson produced, but you know, you kind of really inserted yourself into the storyline. And it turns out that that's actually a hundred percent true that when the call came down, because Dwayne Johnson had been working with some of the people, he was the one that told her that what was going on and, and kind of worked her through it. So the one scene that feels over glorified is actually probably one of the most accurate scenes in the movie. I just loved how they got the guy from, um, uh, I, I forget the British actor's name, but the guy who played her father. Um, oh, he, oh, yeah, yeah. The um, all the Simon Pegg films. He's in right, every right. Uh, Frost. I, I, yeah, he uh, the how much he wound up looking like her actual father really looked in real life. I was like, wow, okay, talk about you know uh, method acting right there. He 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 nailed it. He looked exactly like him, which was which was hilarious. You know, yes. I, it was great casting there. So, um, yeah, it I was, mean, it was well and you, you talk about, you talk about wrestlers. In, uh, Benny mentioned having wrestlers in movies, not just movies about wrestlers. The scene when she won the title 
uh, originally from AJ Lee. Uh, AJ Lee was played uh, was played by Zelina Vega, who's a current wrestler. So you know, it's a nice little touch there, kind of like how they did. Um, uh, I'm I'm gonna go to wrestling films, Benny. I'm looking at your. Uh, uh, you can't see on the video here. He's got uh, a, a wrestler in the background there, but um, we were talking about wrestling films with wrestlers. Uh, <laughs> I want to, I want to touch on, we've, we've had a lot of good memories. I want to get the bad memories out of the way. So I want to talk, and I'm curious if either of you two have ever seen or even heard of the ultimate death match movie series. I've heard of it. I've um, never seen anything though. I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure. I may have seen one of them. So there, yeah, there's, there's three and that's our, uh, our buddy Sean Kane, who, and his issues. Actually, um, I, I, I don't want to be too critical because ultimate uh, our near and dear to the heart of our show, Jimmy Valiant is actually in Ultimate Deathmatch two as himself. So uh, I don't want to don't want to criticize. That's definitely the best of the three, right there. That movie. But the Ultimate Deathmatch films are exactly what it sounds like. It's a sh- it's a shady wrestling promoter who decides to create an underground legit death match where it's real wrestling it's to the death and the grand champion of the tournament gets a bunch of money but the movies other than the ridiculous plot and the, the rotating cast of everyone from al snow and kevin nash to jimmy valiant and dan the beast severn the movies are famous for their production value. I, I don't know what the exact budget of the movie was, but I'm pretty sure I spent more last time I went to McDonald's. <laughs> and that Get there's, the party there's an offset meal. Well, it's not even that. There's parts of the movie where the the like, for example, they'll cut to the commentary table and the announcers are talking and only one microphone is plugged in. So you see people's mouths moving, but you only hear one voice. Um or in the middle, you know, they're they're filming a scene and there's it's not even like, oh, it's in the background. Like there's three or four inches of boom mic hanging, hanging off the scene or uh, just people looking it, at the camera. I mean, just straight staring at the camera. OK. And you hear a voice in the background. OK, go. And then they start talking like there's no there's no edits. Um, there's scenes where they will cut. It's, Dan, did Jimmy Valen take on Abdul the Butcher in that one? No, in in Deathmatch Two, he was just kind of, I don't want to say there, but he did end up dying for some ex- unexplainable reason. But it was those movies are bad. So if we're going to talk about movies about wrestling, I would the Ultimate Deathmatch trilogy. I would recommend staying away as hard as you yeah. can. Well, I'd like to bring up the sleeper here. It's called The One and Only. Uh, came out in 1978, and it starred Henry Winkler, you know, actually during his Fonzie days. And uh, his name in the movie was Andy Schmidt. He was a frustrated actor, never got anywhere, uh, was desperate for money. And he somehow befriended Hervé Villachez Tattoo, who wrestled. And he got him into wrestling. And long story short, he, he became... The Lover, which was a, a, a Gorgeous George knockoff. And he really got over with the fans. But uh, So that's a movie about wrestling. But it also has, uh, in the movie, uh, Chavo Guerrero. Uh, as I think his name was Indian Joe. H.B. Uh, Haggerty uh, of AWA fame. 
And also uh, Roddy Piper, uncredited as a leatherneck Joe Brady. He was in, he was in the movie for about 15 seconds. He got clocked with a uh, a war helmet from uh, from Henry Henry Winkler. Have you have any either of you guys seen that? Yes, yes, I saw it many many years ago. I I barely remember it. I just uh, Henry Winkler was kind of like playing a Ric Flair sort of nature boy type wrestler was the, he or well he initially played himself you know he was like a soldier and then people booed supposed to be a baby face everybody booed the crap out of him then he then he came back as a as a german heel and he got some heat and he went up uh, i guess his wife was giving him grief so he quit and when he came back he came back as the lover and it it really was a gorgeous gorge gorgeous george knockoff he you know with, with the perfume and the long blonde hair and the you know the robe yeah. and all that stuff but he, yeah. but he really got over. Yes, that's how I remember it. Also, so and it, it gets it sort of was a tribute to Gorgeous George in that in in that sense, you know. But that but but yeah, it was it was interesting because that's probably like the least convincing wrestling physique of anyone that's ever tried to, unless we want to you know bring up the other movie that everyone would want to stay away from. And that um, uh, uh, the one with David Arquette in it, Ready to Rumble. Ready to Rumble. Yes, that's, thank you. That's on my that's on my list. I was that's hoping to talk list. about. Actually, um, since since we're we're in the topic of not just talking about movies but also interesting facts, uh, back when he was still a bodybuilder and working out of Atlanta. There's a scene in Ready to Rumble where they're in a gym and one of the athletes that's working out is John Cena, a very young John Cena. That's actually his first credited movie role. Did not know that. I remember him as the prototype with uh, XCW back in, uh, 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 I'm sorry, the XWF down in Los Angeles. I was going to say he started on the West Coast, right? Yeah, I actually worked shows with him. Was I that the, worked, like the late nineties? Yeah, in the early two thousands, he oh, was okay. still the type. And in UPW with Bassman, we come up and invade all pro wrestling, and they would bring John Cena with them along with Samoa Joe and Frankie Kazarian and Stevie Richards and and uh, a couple of the other folks from down there. And I took a dive out. From Samoa Joe, that's a, a, a fact that a lot of people don't know about me, is that Samoa Joe did a dive out on me and the late Boom Boom Kamini. When I <laughs> there you go. That was, uh, uh, that was before his transition over where he became one of the OVW class of 2002, which is arguably the greatest uh, rookie class of the modern era of wrestling. Samoa's a great guy. He is the, he, I, you know, I've had dinner with him over at uh, Denny's and after the show, and, and he's just a real nicer than he seems. I think they make him look just a little bit edgier for for television's sake, but I mean, in real life, he's he's one of the nicer dudes that I've met. So, oh yeah, well. If we're going to keep the the topics going of wrestling, we've talked a lot about wrestling movies, uh, movies about wrestling, and both wrestling movies and movies with wrestlers. But 
there are some films out there with wrestlers that aren't wrestling movies. And I wanted to touch on a couple of those oh, yeah. and looking around uh, one of my prize corners uh, of my man cave here has uh, a statue of Fezig, Andre the Giant from The Princess Bride. Oh, yeah, and that's Absolutely. that's really whenever the print uh, uh, there's two there's the princess bride and there's they live with roddy piper are the two that people always bring up when they talk about wrestlers in movies uh my guilty pleasure of wrestling movies is the hulk hogan suburban commando with uh yeah that's pretty guilty Lloyd. but i want to get to um go back to the princess bride with andre the giant because it's not only was just, I mean, literally larger than life and, and the, the how great he was in that part, but you hear the stories from the set and uh, people like Carrie Elways and they tell, you know, Andre the Giant with his reputation for his record breaking alcohol consumption and where they yeah. would go out after shooting and, you know, a hundred beers a pop and cases of, of wine and liquor and everybody, you know, uh, uh, Mandy Patinkin and, and Carrie always that everybody was showing back up the next morning hung over because Andre would take them out drinking and just, you know, you, he would, they would drown in what he was trying to put away. But at the same time, also all the stories about him being a gentle giant. So, I mean, really it's, it's just true classic film uh, across the board. I, so I think if we're going to talk wrestlers and movies, I just want to put that out there about how much I love that, that one. But uh, Benny, what do you think? You have any, um, yeah, I want, I want to go a little bit uh, older school here. I have uh, Lenny Lenny Montana, who played uh, Luca Brasi in The Godfather in 1972, and that was his first credited movie. Uh, he played in a, a few more movies. He actually was in The Jerk with Steve Martin, which I didn't know, but he was actually the um, the AWA World Tag Team Champion with uh, H. B. Haggerty. He uh, he was the one who. Uh, he did. Luca Brasi slept with the fishes, so I, which is the Italian version of doing a job, I guess, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I have a, a story myself about Rod, Roddy Piper. I actually got to meet him one time at the uh, Cauliflower Alley show uh, in, uh, in Las Vegas. And I went up to him and I said, you know, Mr. Piper, I'm a huge fan of your movies. He's like, they live? And I say, not just they live. But um, I've seen Jungle Ground, and I've seen Hell Comes to Frogtown. And then he looked at me and he said, you're a bigger fan of my movies than I am. <laughs> and so he, the Roddy Piper was great. You know, it's hard to, he's one of those people that's hard to believe has been gone. Him and Savage are like two guys that you still wish were around in the oh, business. Yeah. Cause they, they both have a lot to say, and they both, I think, would be directing things maybe in a better angle than we have them going right now. But, but, but if you want to talk guilty pleasure, hell comes to Frogtown. That's a guilty pleasure, Dan. <laughs> okay. Have you seen Hell Comes to Frogtown? Once a long time ago. Uh, 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 Benny, have you seen it? No, you know what I'm going to have to do after, uh, after after the episode drops, <clears throat> I'm going to have to come back with my notebook and write these movies down, and uh, I have a watch see, list now. You have to see Hell Comes to Frog Down. It is the most ridiculous movie ever made. It really is. I mean, I, there's bad movies, and then there's ridiculous. And ridiculous is like Sharknado or Cocaine Bear, something, you know, that, that's out right now. 
Um, Hell comes to Dan. You back me up on this. Hell comes to Frogtown is a post-nuclear adventure with Roddy Piper, where everybody other than Roddy Piper and a few other humans are giant frogs. Yes. And they yeah. they all have frog heads. They they it's really bad makeup. Like you know, talk it's, about like it's it's a uh, uh, Plan Nine from outer space level. Uh, you start. St- scraping the barrel there with uh with some bad i mean i don't get me wrong for uh i've seen worse makeup jobs but yeah it's b like as they say b movie it's c d movie lists quality makeup the writing the writing is just well, absolutely don't, horrible don't, and, even, and, don't even forget uh benny not only the um what it, what buddy's talking about with the frog people is one of the I, I want to say subplots. I don't reviv- vaguely remember how important it is, but uh, the same f- nuclear disaster that caused the frog people sterilized a lot of the population. That's so right. Roddy right. Piper can still can still father children. So that's like part of his appeal to all the women he goes to save. And that was like a big deal was like, oh, he 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 can still breed like. OK, you know, it's just one of those. I mean, it. it it's that movie is bad. So here's my question: is, is, is it better or worse than uh, Eating Raul or Motel Hell? Now Motel Hell, I liked. I did too, I thought, actually. I think Motel oh, Hell was very underrated. Yes, I, I'm not. I'm not going to 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 put that down. I can put down. I, I have movies that are far worse than that, like I Spit on Your Grave, or uh, 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 I would say uh, uh, The Love Butcher. Or, uh, you know, I've seen, I I used to, you know, spend my weekends going to the video store and just going and getting every obscure movie they could get. You know, uh, uh, Ator, um, uh, uh, things like um, uh, The Blade Master, uh, not The Beast Master, but The Blade Master. Uh, you know, um, uh, uh, a lot of Godzilla movies. You know, and 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 camera movies and whatever I could get on videotape. You know, because back then, you see, people don't really remember. You know, if you're younger, but when you had Blockbuster, you only had a limited number of things you could see. And once you'd seen them, you go back there on a weekend. You're just like, you know what? I'll just get anything just to put on TV and and, oh, and make. Oh, this stuff is checked out usually. Yes, exactly. So you know, especially like the wrestling stuff, like. Uh, Bloopers, blunders, and body slams. That would always be available, but like, you know, any of the cool, like, WrestleManias or anything like that were usually all rented out, you know. But I, I think, you know, if we want to talk about the one of the most influential wrestler appearances, you know, in a movie that wasn't about wrestling, we have to go back to Rocky Three and Hulk Hogan's appearance. Yeah, yeah. Thunderlips, yep. Yeah, I just saw that. I just showed it to my daughter, and she didn't really care about the rest of the Rocky movie. But I made her stay for the uh, the uh, appearance of Hulk Hogan. So I said, first of all, culturally, you need to know who Hulk Hogan is. You can't talk about the '80s. Not only can you not talk about the '80s without Hulk Hogan, but you can't talk about the '80s without Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. I mean, can you can you can you say as an adult you've taught your child what the '80s were about and not mention Mr. T and Hulk Hogan and what influence they had on the world at large during that time period. I mean, just think about this. Uh, what was it about two weeks ago? 
when uh, when Richard Belzer passed away. Yeah, and yeah. The, the clip that circulated more than his 25-year career oh, of playing Detective done. Munch was him getting choked out by Hulk Hogan on his Perfect talk show slot, back in yeah. the 80s. You're right. Like that that was here. Here's a man with one of the most storied, uh, award-winning television careers in history. And when he dies, the main thing everyone remembers was him getting choked out by Hulk Hogan and Mr. T making fun of him. Like that. You're absolutely right. It is almost impossible to put into words, especially with with the wrestlers today. Impossible to to put into words how popular Hulk Hogan and and impactful he was at the time. So if he yeah, wasn't started. in Rocky Three, did if he didn't appear in Rocky Three, does he have the career he had? No, no, because we'd seen him sort of flounder around in the AWA. You know, it, he could have been a pretty big deal in Japan. I think he would have been, uh, uh, you know, Ric Flair style, like Japan's version of Ric Flair. They loved him in Japan way before they loved him in the United States. So he probably would have been like, you know, a mid-level type type you know wrestler probably the wwf would have brought him in late you know in the late 90s or something like the way wcw did you know but but i i don't think he would have i mean because vince mcmahon senior didn't want hulk hogan to do rocky three right and junior said no you should do it you know and and hogan said yeah i'm gonna do it anyway and and you know yeah that was what yeah if it'd been some other wrestler like Stan Hansen or 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 you know if it had been you know uh, 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 Ric Flair you know what 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 would that have meant you know to those guys' careers without Hulk Hogan there I mean Hogan really had that charisma he had the size he had the you know over the top personality. I mean, we look at him now, maybe, and we're so jaded, especially if you go watch his matches, you know, from the middle of his career on out, you know, where he really just lives off of the fame that he had and becomes, you know, a true cartoon character of wrestling. But during those early years, he had an intensity that made people really excited. I, I, I've been to a lot of wrestling shows, seen a lot of guys, but I just, Hogan had the biggest pop of anyone that I ever saw. But if you if you look at some of his Japanese matches early early in his career, he can wrestle. Yeah, who could could at that time? Sure, because he was taught by. Uh, um, uh, Hiro Matsuda. We, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he he was and 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 they would break his leg again if they if if he if they thought he was gonna you know mess around with them. You know they 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 you can't with the Japanese when you go over to work in Japan. You can't fool around. They'll beat the living hell out of you if they think yeah, you're just, disrespectful. Just, just ask of, who was it the uh, the great Antonio when he when he tried oh, to God. tried to no sell on Inoki. It's all it all turns out very poorly. Yeah, yeah. That's you know, spe- speaking of Japanese wrestlers in movies, uh, how about Toro Tanaka? He was in a gazillion I, movies. And now my favorite movie that he was in was uh, he was the butler in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Adventure. Yeah. Yes. I sat behind Toru Tanaka at a uh, at the uh, San Jose um, uh, Pacific Wrestling Show that happened in '86, and that was actually the very, very, very first appearance of one Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> 
in the okay. ring. That was a Pacific Pro. Was the the one that was put on by by uh, the Rock's grandmother? Leo or by the Rock. Yes, yes. So uh, they only did one show. It turns out, you know, I thought it, I went because I was like, oh, this will be cool. You know, they'll probably if this is if this does well, then they'll probably have more shows out here. And it drew pretty well, but it had like fourteen matches on the card. It was like crazy. And and a battle royale, so it was like it was really like like the show went way too long, and and The Rock was like part of like a an eight man tag match or something, so like he was sort of lost in the shuffle, and I didn't know that he was going to become you know super mega star at the time. He was eighty six, you know. He was just they they didn't even make a big deal that he was Rocky the Soul Man Johnson's son or yeah, the or, back then, right? I mean. He was like maybe right at like eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, yeah, and and it was his first appearance. But but I sat in the in the in like the fourth row, and I was right behind Toru Tanaka, who took up like four seats. The proverbial cigarette machine with legs. Yes, he yeah, was. He, he, actually, he, he was in quite tall. a few movies. He, I got him in uh, Running Man, Eye for an Eye. He was in a whole bunch of movies, but the one I remember best is uh, The Butler. For well, Peter. and then Gold. He's the he's the he's yes. the odd job, he? odd job, right? Yeah, from Goldfinger. Yep. So, yes, yeah. But as he got older, he got wider. So you know, he was he was always like five eight or something, and then he you know became five eight the other way too. He became like an automat, you know, the thing you well, put in like a you know, two dollars and you get a slice of pie. <laughs> you know, Except if it we're goes talking way, it goes the other way. The slice of pie goes in, not out. <laughs> if if we're if we're talking wrestlers uh, in movies, something I wanted, and, and I was kind of hoping we would get towards the international side. You talked Japan. Um, I wanted. I'm curious if either of you uh, have many thoughts or, or are even familiar with uh, El Santo. No. Oh, he's, yeah. He's, yeah you know, the, arguably one of the greatest Mexican, Mexican not just wrestlers, but but sports legends period but uh after obviously other than his what f- 50 years uh that he on and off that he wrestled he was in something like 60 movies as a man in the silver mask glorified version yeah, it, of himself oh, yeah. fighting monsters and you know super villains vampires. and faced a lot of vampires yes yeah, well, it's the, you know, the bloodsucker is very, very popular in Mexican folklore. But I, I think it's it's he's one of those where he, there was a, a a transcendence that he basically between wrestling and the 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 movies that he did, he played some version of himself for over 50 years. And he was there was that that was a megastar. And from, you know, people talk about. Uh, like El Santo and Mil Mascaris, there's, there's, you know, he would be out in public uh, doing an interview or just eating at a restaurant with his family, and he'd keep, he'd have his mask on. I mean, even today, there's people who, uh, you know, w- without doing your own research, don't know what he looked like. And I think it's, it's kind of cool that you can be in that many movies and be that famous. And keep your keep your face covered the way he did. I, I think it's important if you talk about wrestlers and movies. He's globally one of the biggest 
movie stars that was a wrestler. I, I think we're talking internationally. You can't help but mention him. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right about that. And yes, I have seen a number of his films, and and uh, uh, you know, it's it's. I, I know that I keep mentioning myself and stuff like this, but my friend from college, Rich Salazar, made a movie called Atomic Blue Mexican Wrestler. And you can look it up on, it's really obscure. It'd probably be hard to, to find a copy of it. But my brother and I actually are voiceovers on the movie. We actually saw the movie being made over a couple of days, which was pretty impressive. You know, we didn't stay for the whole thing. But we were part of, like, you know, sat back and watched, you know, an actual Hollywood movie be put together. It was super low budget. But um, he got, you know, some advice from Roger Corman. I know Red Bastine was, oh, okay. like, giving him, like, ideas on how to set things up and, and how to, you know, do stuff in the ring. And, like, just they had this one guy named Black Angel, and in the ring, he just couldn't make any noise. He just was, like, the quietest wrestler. So they had me come in and be the voice of Black Angel in the movie. So I had to, like, oh, Black Angel, yes, I will get you now, you know, because it was they were trying to make it, like, one of those dubbed Mexican, you know, right. action sequences. So... So, so uh, yeah, no, uh, somewhere in the lost, you know, uh, ether space, there's a uh, probably a copy of Atomic Blue Mexican Wrestler. And if anyone has seen that movie, please write to Benny and Dan and tell me, you know, what you thought of it because it, it it was it's certainly something that that that's got to be the most obscure of all the movies that we've referenced. You know, so maybe if there's enough interest, we can do a remake. Yeah, uh, it was it was, it was tough, so, you know. Somebody get Netflix a, on the on the line. <laughs> yeah, making a movie is hard work. That's the other thing that working on the set for two days really taught me is that wow, it's it's really really for the dedicated, and it's amazing how many movies get made considering how much work it takes to do either a movie or a TV show. I've had the privilege of seeing both TV shows and movies made live in front of me and just understanding that part of show business you know is really like intense it's 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 a lot of work so my hats off even to the bad movie makers my hats off to them because i wouldn't be able to do that sort of sort of thing myself although i've always wanted to at least be a contributing writer to some movies and and thought about making you know wrestling movies in my head but now there's so many things about indie wrestling I don't know if there's anything that I could really add that wouldn't already be done. Oh, and there's also the Bison Smith documentary that's available on YouTube, which I'm I'm also in, which I recommend people. My friend Jesus Cruz put that together as a tribute to our friend Mark Bison Smith, who uh, died at age 41, but was a guy I managed in all pro wrestling as Super Destroyer 2000, and then he went on to be a pretty decent star in Ring of Honor and in Puerto Rico and Japan. So, sorry to, to throw that in there. That, those are my no, other... No, no, that's half the fun of being on, on our show is this: you get to self-promote and, and we try and oh, keep yeah. it, keep it. but uh, trying to focus back on, on topic here, Benny. Uh, we got about, I don't know, 10 or 10 minutes or so left. Um, I want to get your thoughts on current wrestling. Now, we talked about movies and uh, 
TV shows and wrestlers in wrestling. There's two projects I want to get your thoughts on, Benny. First is uh, the movie, the biopic that's currently in the works on Hulk Hogan starring Chris Hemsworth. I don't know if you know anything about that or have any thoughts on it. And the second, and this goes for you too, buddy, but I'll get Benny's thoughts first, is uh, the television series Young Rock. Don't know anything about the first. Actually, was watching uh, a couple episodes of Young Rock last night, see, uh, uh, season three. I really like that show. I think it's very well made. What do you think? I mean, what do you think about the balance between portraying the re- wrestling as real, like you know, seeing behind the scenes and seeing people like Bad News Brown uh, being a nice guy behind the scenes, and keeping it just blurry enough? where Rock's not completely, or Dwayne Johnson, I should say, is not completely peeling the curtain back and showing the inner workings of everything. I think they do a very good job of that, actually. I just, it's a very enjoyable show. I forgot that I had not seen uh, season three, and then I I came across it last night. I was like, I got to watch some of this. I think it's very well made, and it's, it's, I think they do a good job with it. Buddy, what about you? What are your thoughts? Do you have any, uh, have you caught up with Young Rock at all? Um, I have some some episodes to catch up on in season three. That's I'm also a little behind on that. But um, Wayne Matei, who is the uh, 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 he is the guy who plays Sergeant Slaughter, and he's been a guest on our show a couple times, and he is a delight. He is just absolutely. He's also got a movie coming out um, uh, the, the, in Australia, like a uh, a. Uh, uh, like a like a running man type it's it's a movie about a running man type game show uh called vigilantes and he's in it and i mean he looks like batista he's 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 super huge and and you know even though he played sergeant slaughter and, and had to shave his beard off he he just absolutely like goes the other way and then you know uh when when he goes back to australia so um i i really enjoy that show knowing who Wayne is personally, um, and I think the guy that they got is Andre the Giant for that show. It's tremendous casting, you know. Um, and the guy that got is the Iron Sheik is yes. tremendous. Yes, that guy is hilarious. The guy that got is Randy Savage is not very good when you consider no. all great Randy Savage impressionists there are out there, and I know a few of them. You know, he's not—he doesn't knock my socks off. Um, and then the other thing, too, is that uh, Mike Lano is constantly reminding me when he watches the, the Young Rock that there is a lot of, let's say, artistic license taken about the history of the wrestling organization that his grandmother and then, you know, mother ran, you know, um, or that his grandmother was, was running. And like a lot of the wrestlers, which is true, a lot of the wrestlers that they say were on the show a lot of times weren't there. I mean, I don't think the Iron Sheik ever wrestled for 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 them extensively. I mean, he was like on one show, and like the you know the like they they make some people more recurring characters than they probably were in real life. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that and uh, you can't really talk about. Young Rock tweaking the facts without bringing up the Chad Frost character, right? You know, while while they never confirm, everyone who's who knows anything about wrestling for more than a few seconds knows that's Shawn Michaels. But 
Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. There, there's some names and, cha- and things that are changed, probably because the the people who were involved wouldn't give permission. Or yeah, you know. well, I mean, the the even even to this day, Dwayne Johnson's still bitter about the way Shawn Michaels treated him at the beginning. So who knows? Sure. But as we wrap up, I think there's one uh, one final thought I want to throw out there, and it's. It's just, again, I always like the, uh, excuse me, I always like the, I want to say useless facts, but the fun little side facts that I like to throw out. And we talk about wrestlers in movies. There's a wrestler in a movie series, a film series, that's a multi-billion dollar franchise. And I guarantee 90% of people that have seen the franchise have absolutely no idea. And that's DreamWorks and the Shrek movies. Uh for anybody that doesn't know, Shrek, the character Shrek, is actually modeled after Maurice Tillet, the French angel, famous wrestler from back in the, the olden days. I mean, Maurice Tillet died in, in 1954. But if you look at pictures of him, and unfortunately, I'm an audio podcast, I can't show you. But you look at pictures of him and you'll immediately, holy cow, that's that's crazy to think that's who they based it on. So Pound for pound, his likeness is the most popular appear. Really, the the most profitable uh, films that have, the wrestlers ever been attached to. So there's your there's your final so thought the on Rock that. Might, the Rock might be able to 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 compete with that dollar sign figure when you consider how many movies The Rock is still making and and churning out you know like a living ATM machine. I mean that guy like just makes money just breathing in and out you know so but i get your point and i i did I did hear about the and, and in in shrek one they have a great wrestling sequence in, where he takes on the night yeah. and beats yeah, them all up true. Like, giant wrestling match so um uh my like my my unknown thing is um ed the strangler lewis was part of the uh uh three stooges when they would do the three, when the three Stooges and Curly would get in the ring, and and you know they, then uh, Ed the Strangler Lewis was like usually cast as as the bad bad guy wrestler that um, Curly would have to like get in the ring with and get all beaten up by. Was was and he then, was he on the uh, was was Strangler Lewis on the other side the that famous bit where uh, what was it um, Pop goes the weasel. That was getting yeah, early to I fight. Then yeah, Larry would play Pop Goes the Weasel on his violin, and yeah. and Curly would go totally bizarre berserk and 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 knock knock out uh, uh, Ed and 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 become the champion. But but there's a lot of though that one's pretty crazy high jinks one. So that that's my obscure call. How, how about the episode of the Munsters when Herman has to uh, to to race him? You know, get a uh, part-time job, he becomes a professional wrestler uh, under a mask, and he loses to everybody, including Gene LaBelle. And uh, I think the last guy he wrestled, Strangler Murphy, I think he who he beat was um, Mike Mazurki, I think his name was, who was a professional huh. wrestler. Wow. Well, that, that's some pretty good obscure stuff, guys. <laughs> well, as we wrap up for tonight, uh, Benny, we, we all shared our... our ideas we talked a lot about i love the the round table just you know it reminds me um 
a little little side reference. It was an episode of South Park from a few years ago that that uh, story arc involved something called member berries, and they were uh, a fruit that was just would trigger nostalgia in people. You know, oh, mem- remember this movie? That was great. That's that reminded me of us today. Remember this? Remember oh, that? Yeah. I-, I love these kind uh, of conversations. So, uh, any final and- thoughts for the night, Benny? Yeah, I want to. So, I was gonna bring up George Steele. Uh, who played Tor Johnson in the movie Ed Wood in 1994. But the reason why I was going to do that is because when he came on the set, um, I guess the director asked if he had any acting experience. And uh, Bill Murray said, what are you kidding me? This guy's been acting his whole life. And I guess my point of all of that is these guys, I mean, so many, and we, we left so many out. We could do like three more shows like this. But how seamlessly these wrestlers morph from being professional wrestlers into being in movies and they didn't miss miss a beat yeah no it's because what they do in the ring is what they can do on film i mean wrestlers a lot of wrestlers are you know and and i'm not saying it's an act but acting is part of what you need to be able to do you need to you know sell you need to be able to tell a story you need to be able to get people to suspend their disbelief so they believe that what you're doing is really what matters to you. That, you know, when I would go to the ring, I mean, I really wanted my man to win. And I really wanted to do whatever needed to be done at ringside to get my man to win, which includes getting dived out on by Samoa Joe. You know, I mean, you, when you know that's coming, sure you know it's coming, but what what are you going to do about 300 pounds flying at you from seven or eight feet up in the air and down on top of you? What's fake about that? Nothing. You know? Absolutely. And, and not, not to mention that, you know, not only do you have to be a good actor and a good stuntman, but you have to be able to do it with a camera on all four sides. There's no hiding the third angle. And the live it's a live crowd, and and you can be seen from every angle, and you got to get it right on the first take or every else. Takes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, and 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 wrestling always makes for great action, and it always makes for you know um, uh, a compelling storyline. Or you can play around with it, and make it a joke, like no holds barred, or or uh, 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 oh, you know, um, uh, 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 ready to rumble. You know, you can you can make it a farce like that, but uh, yeah, and that was the one I was I didn't get to bring up, but I did want to say that I did actually go to the theater to see No Holds Barred, and boy was I sore about that. You know, I bought into all the Hulk Zeus hype and everything, and and boy that 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 made me bitter. So you know, I'll I'll, I'll leave it at that, and and yeah, we could easily do another three hours on this but i hope to have you guys on on my show now we can do like a tag thing so now tag you're it before we let you go buddy why don't you tell everybody where they can find you yeah, that's great. With this, uh, I'm on Wrestling and Everything Coast to Coast with Mike Leno. We drop our uh, show every Sunday night um, around 10 p.m. PST. Uh, it's uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash wrestling and everything coast to coast. And we're also on YouTube, and we're also on Anchor FM and Spotify as an audio podcast so love to have you guys back on the show i mean you guys are our pals of mine now we we could even talk baseball again if you ever want to you know that wasn't a bad show when we well, did food, our food wasn't bad either yes 
So, so um, it's really great talking to you guys. You guys are more than than a podcast. You're friends of mine, and, and I really love Likewise. it. Likewise. Well, we appreciate it. That is high praise. So for Wrestling Everything Coast to Coast, the buddies to tell for the BS Express himself, Benny Scala. I'm Dan Spashion. I'll have a good night, everyone, and we will see you next time we're in the ring. Au revoir, mes amis.